We're going to start in uh, Genesis, amazing place to start, means, means in the beginning. It's also where, Bible is first men- uh, sorry, where baseball is first mentioned in the Bible in the beginning. Very good. Anybody? All right. All right, I'm feisty today, I guess. All right. Anybody ever used the right tool for the wrong job or the wrong tool for the right job? Yeah? Let's say it a different way. Anybody anybody ever tried to use a tool for a job that that tool was not made for? Yeah. So uh, over the break, uh, I think it's just the man in me. It was like it got cold, and I told my wife, we are having a fire in the fireplace. Like it, it is just, it's somewhere in me that we must burn something. So, uh, so we, we put a fire in the fireplace uh, and it didn't work out real great. The, uh, it's, it's a new house for us. We've, we haven't lived in it through a winter, uh, which is, that's kind of an ironic statement in Texas, uh, especially in East Texas, not really winter, but uh, when it gets below 60. Um, and so we, uh, I put this fire in the fireplace. Uh, it was all good. The fire burned. I thought, man, this is, this is great. We woke up the next morning uh, and our house was full of smoke. So that was cool, and uh, everything was this horror. It like smelled like you'd been camping for a week. You know that smell when you haven't showered? No, just me. So uh, you know that smell when you haven't showered and you've gone camping, and, and you just smell like camping, and it's just this horrible smell, and you feel it too. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You don't just smell it, but you feel camping on you. And so this is how our house smelled. It was awful. We realized that for our AC was pulling smoke in. Anyway, we had to make the switch. So we switched. We had to do, we had to do gas logs. I couldn't burn real wood, which is a, just a total devastating thing to me because there's just something, again, just something manly about burning uh, real wood and the, and the sound and going and poking it for no reason and uh, all of that. So uh, anyway, so we, we, uh, I was going to uh, switch it to gas logs. Well, uh, I, I have most tools, but I didn't have how my pipe wrench escaped me. I don't know, but I couldn't find it. And so I had this, uh, I had, I don't know what they're called, it's a little locking wrench deal, and I was trying to undo a gas fitting uh, that had been glued together uh, since 1972, you know, and uh, so it doesn't come apart. I mean, I was working it, though. I had, I was, I had it down on the ground, uh, I was standing on it and pushing, I had other tools that I didn't know what they were going to do, but I was hitting the thing, I mean, it was... It got violent. Lindsay was like, the kids are going to wake up. You are, you are freaking out here. Uh, needless to say, I completely ruined the part. Um, but that's what happens, right? That's what happens when you use the wrong tool, right? And so the, the purpose uh, for the, our conversation today is to really look at uh, who is the Holy Spirit, uh, but more so, how were you created to be in relationship with the Holy Spirit. Because if you try to go about the business of holiness or, or worship or uh, communion with God, if you try to do those things with the wrong tool, you're going to end up, as I was, frustrated, right? You're going to end up uh, not accomplishing the task that in your heart you want to be able to, uh, to accomplish, but not doing it because you're not using the right tool. So we're going to look at not specifically the Holy Spirit this morning, but you, because we have to first understand us before we can understand how we relate to the Holy Spirit, not if you're with me. Okay, so that's the goal this morning. But before we start, uh, and in those of you that are new with us, man, I always, always do this. Just pause for a second. 
uh, because it's, it's good for us to pause uh, and, and ask the Spirit. This is one of the things he does is he leads us into all truth, and we'll teach that in depth, but, but to pause and, and ask the Spirit to speak to us. Because most of you came in here and your mind is, even though you're not in school yet and things may not be really going, your mind is on other things and you're pacing along uh, your day pretty, pretty quickly. And uh, if we're not careful, we won't pause. And if we don't pause, we won't listen. Anybody, anybody ever try to listen while you're talking? It's very difficult. And, and though you may not be opening your mouth and speaking right now, in your, in your inside, you are progressing, you are functioning, you are talking. And I'm afraid that if you continue that, that the whisper of the Holy Spirit might come. And then afterwards you go, I wish the Spirit would talk to me. And he would say, I wish you'd be quiet so that I could. And so we just want to pause and we just want to wait and just go, okay, Spirit, just speak to me. If you're the one that Jesus promised that would lead us into all truth, I trust you and just speak to my heart. Just pause long enough for him to do that. Is that fair? So we're going to do that every time we meet. All right. If you're with me and we're opening the word and seeking the Lord together, we're going to pause because I can't teach you anything. The Spirit is the only one with any truth, right? So we've got to listen to him. You guys excited about that, though? He's here, and he's so good. And so we want to ask him to just speak to us. So just pause for just a minute, and then I'll pray, and we will begin. God, as we pause just to ask for you to speak to us, we pause in the reality that you already said you would speak to us. We trust that you already have said to us that your desire is to give us all good things which are from the heart of the Father. And so we just, uh, we just lay ourselves before you. God, some of us, we don't even know how to ask for what we need, but you, you say that that doesn't matter that you know what we need before we even ask it. Praise God, because God, I don't even know what I need to ask really from you right now, but I know that you have the perfect thing for this hour and for this moment for every single individual in this room. So God, we ask for nothing less than the best of you in us right now, that transformation might occur. God, we do not, and I just, I just rebuke any, uh, any spirit that might be speaking contrary, but we just do not want knowledge. We just rebuke just a craving for knowledge. We don't want knowledge. God, we don't want just understanding. God, we want life. We want transformation. We want healing. God, we want salvation. We want things that are of the kingdom. So God, we just ask for you to bring those things which only you are able to bring in this hour. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, go to Genesis chapter 2. Let me just tell you, we, are, uh, we will be in the Word all the time here. So, uh, man, if you've got a Bible, bring it. Uh, it's cool if that's, uh, if that's digital or whatever. Uh, there's just something, though, about the way the Bible smells and feels when you're, when you're walking through it. I just got this new one, and uh, some page turning is a beast right now. <laughs> so bear with me. And then it's like, look... <laughs> 
So this could be a struggle. All right, maybe, maybe I need to be in the middle and it won't do that. So Genesis is going to be rough. Let me just do this. Okay, Genesis chapter 2. Uh, we're going to be, uh, we're going to read just real quickly in, in verse 7, but everybody kind of knows, you've probably heard some version of this, um, but Genesis in, in the beginning, obviously, uh, is when God created the heavens and the earth. That is how Genesis opens, that God created, so we establish God as God. He creates the heavens and the earth, and he creates this unbelievable uh, Thing this this creation that God breathes out is unbelievable. I mean, he 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 separates. Uh, it says he separates the waters of heaven and the waters of the earth with the sky. Anybody ever had that idea? Now that's pretty crazy, right? I was reading that to Shiloh yesterday. We were going through on the little kids Bible app. That's my two year old, and uh, and and it said it said it made that statement. It said God created separated the the waters of the sky and the waters of the earth with the sky. And I just thought, my God, that is a huge concept that you just birthed the sky, right? So this is how Genesis begins, okay? And and, and, and in all of this, it says that that God creates us, right? God creates mankind. Anybody know the names of uh, of the people that he creates? Adam and Eve, right? We we know the story, and and, uh, so he creates Adam and Eve, uh, and there's this really cool part we're going to read in Genesis chapter 2 in just a second, right? That God creates Adam and Eve, and in verse 7, this is when he's, this is when he's uh, forming Adam. And, and I don't, man, I don't know. I'm going to rent this in heaven, but it says that he like comes up with him from the dust. Anybody ever tried to form something out of dust? Anybody ever dusted? You know what dust is. Okay, college students, come on. Right? <laughs> so imagine, like, imagine the hands of God bringing the dust of the earth into something that could be formed, right? This is a, this is a really just cool thought to, uh, to, to ponder on, but God does this and he creates this shape. He creates this, uh, this entity that he calls Adam, but the problem is that Adam at this point is just dust of the ground, right? He's just this, uh, this skeletal, I guess, figure. He's got flesh and he's got bones. He's a shape, but there's nothing in him, right? He's just a form. You with me? And then it says that God opens his mouth, and he breathes into Adam's nostrils. This is Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Is that he breathes into Adam's nostrils, breath, and Adam becomes alive. That's a pretty crazy narration, right? He's got this entity formed of the dust of the ground. Think about just the intimacy of the process, like just how that formation would occur. And then God were to get so close, and this is kind of awkward, but uh, God were to get so close that he would breathe uh, breath into Adam's nostrils, right? You have to be pretty like down with somebody to do that, right? <laughs> like that's not like greetings, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's a bit, it's, it's, this, it's this very close, very intimate connection. And, and this is, but check this out, don't miss this. This is when, this is when he becomes alive. So what do we know before that? Was Adam alive? No, Adam was just a shape, and then this breath comes into his nostrils, right? Are you with me? This breath comes into his nostrils, and then he's alive, right? What's so cool about this passage is we don't get it in English, but that word breath is the Hebrew word for spirit, right? We just read breath, and we're like, I hope he brushed his teeth. Like, that's a weird thing. Just but when God opened his mouth, he didn't deposit in Adam just something to make his lungs go in and out. He deposited in Adam life, which was in the spirit, right? Don't miss this. At that very moment, before sin, now remember, this is before sin. 
This is an absolute perfection of creation. What does God do? God breathes life into Adam, and that life is found because the Spirit of God was alive in him. Whew! You with me? What a beautiful, beautiful truth. And we see here that this is the way that God created man. See, when God was making Adam, right, he was making him in order to fit what God would put in him. You with me? Ever put a square peg, what's the deal, a square peg in a round hole, right? It doesn't fit, right? You, you have to have uh, the, the shape in order to fit what you're going to put in it. So when God was creating Adam, he was creating him for the purpose of what? Being filled with the Spirit of God. Are you with me? Not if you're with me. So you understand this, that the very basics of the way that you were created, you were crafted in such a way. You have arms and legs and your inward parts were made by God. He knows the hairs on your head, right? We know all of this. But all of that was crafted so that you might be filled with his spirit and in that have life. That's why you are the way you are. And that's why you're not like an animal, right? That's why you're not like a plant. That's why you and me are the darling of all creation because nothing else was formed in such a way. Listen to this. Nothing else, nothing else on the earth was formed as intimately as we were formed in such a way that we might be filled with the Spirit of God. In no other thing did God breathe life into. Everything else he breathed life upon. You with me? Come on. Does anybody else have chill? Like, come on. We were made for the Spirit of God to live in us. This is the first time that God really introduces us to the Spirit because we know the Spirit was present. Uh, John chapter 1 tells us that Jesus and the Spirit were present in creation and this unbelievable uh, triune God creating and creating. But this is the first time that man really associates with the Spirit is when God opens his mouth and puts the Spirit within man. And then we know the story, right? We know what occurs Uh, Adam and Eve are tempted. If you read the narrative, they're tempted. And what does the enemy tempt them to do? What does he want them to eat of? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? Everybody knows this. If you have an Apple device, it's right there, (laughs) right? They keep saying it's not about that. I'm not so sure. I'm questioning Steve Jobs on that logo. So, uh, he, he says to them, look, if you'll eat of this tree, the knowledge of good and evil, you will be like God, right? This is, this is the premise in which Adam and Eve are tempted. And God told him, he said, don't eat of this tree. He said, everything else you can have, but don't eat of the tree, the knowledge of good and evil, because you will, what, die. Now, it's important that we note this, and uh, there's, a, there's a pastor in, uh, in Dallas, his name is, is Bob Hamp, and he made this uh, this extremely clear. I I, I loved it. He said, notice that God doesn't say, if you eat it, I'm going to kill you. Notice this. God didn't say, if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, I'm going to kill you. He said, if you eat it, you will die. Now, what's the difference? Because what happened to Adam and Eve in that hour when they ate, in that moment when they took and they ate, is remember what was in them, which was life? It was the Spirit of God, right? That's what was giving them life. And they chose in that moment to disconnect from that source of life and reach out for life, which was found in the knowledge of good and evil. Anybody know that the knowledge of good and evil by themselves are not bad things? You with me? 
God didn't say, don't eat of the knowledge of good and evil, or treat of the knowledge of good and evil, or I'm going to kill you because knowledge of good and evil is a bad thing. But God knew this, that the knowledge of good and evil is not life. The, what life is, is what I have breathed into you. And so essentially what Adam and Eve did on that moment when they took and they ate is they disconnected from the life source, which was the spirit of God, and they attempted to have life based on the knowledge of good and evil. And it's like plugging a microwave into itself. They attempted to have power within themselves. They attempted to sustain and have life within themselves. And so what happened? Did God kill them? No. But what happened? They died. You see this? You with me? Come on, guys. We, they died. They died because in that moment they chose to walk away from life which was in them. And their spirit, which was made to be inhabited by the spirit of God, when that disconnect happened, their spirit died. And so you and me, what we inherit, when we inherit this sin nature, that is what we inherit. You understand this a little bit clearer now? You don't inherit bad behavior. You inherit a disconnect from the source of life. And that's why you're born dead. You with me? But we know that this is not the, the true end, the true aim of God, because we know, we look back, we know that God breathed life into their nostrils. We know that God created us to be filled. God created us to be alive. That's why Jesus says when he comes on the scene, what does he say? I came that you would have, come on, John 10, 10. I came that you would have life and life to the fullest measure or life abundantly, right? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came that you would have life, Jesus didn't say, I came that you would just be forgiven of your sin. Jesus said, I came that you would have life. And so when Jesus says this word, life, in the scriptures, we got to know, we got to connect that he's talking about something that was given in the garden and that was lost in sin. Jesus has come to give us back. Anybody excited about that? Anybody ever heard this gospel before that Jesus did not just come to save you from your bad behavior, but Jesus came that you might have life. You know why the world is so sick and tired of hearing our gospel? Because we're not preaching the gospel. We're preaching behavior modification. Jesus came to save you from your bad things that you do. Stop doing your bad things, right? Right? This is what we, this is what we preach. It's not true. It's just not true. Jesus didn't come to save you from your bad behavior. He came to save you from yourself attempting life on your own and give it the way it was intended to be given by the fullness of his spirit living in you and having connection with the Father. You all right? This is good. If you're not okay, come on. Right? This is why Jesus came. So I want to just show you this. I want to, I want to uh, really stretch this out a little bit. Because this didn't just happen with Jesus. Jesus is not the first one to talk about this life, right? Jesus is, he, he came and he, and he even said, he said, I'm, I'm fulfillment, right? So we know that this has been promised before, and I want to show you that. So Ezekiel chapter 36. In Ezekiel 36, verse 26, it says, now this is, this is God speaking to his people, okay? And it says, I will give you a new heart and a new what? Say it loud like you're reading it. <laughs> a new spirit. So I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. So what is God already promising? He says, I'm going to give you something new. 
What is he going to give you new? He says, I'm going to remove this old, this heart of stone and flesh, and I'm going to give you a new heart, and I'm going to give you a new Thank you, Brendan. A new spirit. We'll learn. Like the pauses mean fill in the blank, right? So uh, he's going he's gonna to give us a new heart, right? And a new spirit. Why do we need a new spirit? Because the old one is what? Dead. Anybody know the dead th- what do dead things need? Life, right? Bury this one. We need a new one, okay? We need life. So he says, he's beginning to, to prophesy this. Anybody know this is not the New Testament, <laughs> New Testament is not the first time that God promises regeneration and filling of the Holy Spirit. This is Ezekiel, the prophet Ezekiel. And he says, this is what God wants to do. God wants to bring his people to a place where he gives them a new spirit. And then watch this. This is cool. So he doesn't just stop there. It would be cool if he did. I mean, that would be great that we might have a new spirit. But then he says, I'm going to do something with that new spirit. And in verse 27, he says, and I will put my spirit within you. And watch this. What does this new spirit do? Look at it. And cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Okay, so what happens? We have this dead spirit. And God says, what I want to do is I want to take what is dead and I want to bring life. You with me? So God brings life. He says, I'm going to put a new spirit within you because the first one was detached from my spirit and because of that, it was dead. You need a new one. I'm going to put a new spirit within you. And here's the deal. That just clears the deck for what he wants to do next. You understand? That's just a preparatory work for what God wants to do next because then he says, within this new spirit, I'm going to put my spirit within you. And when these two wed, when your new spirit, this one that is not blemished by sin nature, when this new spirit receives my spirit, it will cause you to walk in my statutes and obey my commands. What is this new spirit and our spirit connection? What does it do? It causes us to walk after God. You with me? The spirit within us, what does it do? It points us to obedience to the Father, right? He doesn't just do one thing. Listen, beloved, he didn't just save you. This is such good news. God did not just save you from your iniquity. Though it was great and though you needed saving, I needed saving. Though my, my iniquity was large and my, uh, my sin was great, I needed rescue from it. But the goodness of God said, I'm not just going to give you a new spirit, but I'm going to put my spirit within you. And I'm going to cause you to walk in my ways, in fellowship with me, follow after my commandments, beat after my heart, Right? Oh, and that is so much better than just being saved and kicked out the door. I don't just get saved. I get Abba, Father, within me. Breathe. Everybody just breathe that in. All right, we good? I think I'm just excited you're back, right? I want to keep, keep uh, really drawing this out in John chapter 3. And I'm going to go kind of fast here. Keep up if you want to, but I'm just going to read some passages. John chapter 3, verse 6. This is, Jesus answered, truly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit. He's talking to Nicodemus, and Nicodemus isn't really understanding the first birth, second birth thing, and Jesus is drawing this out for him. And he says, "Uh, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. 
That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the capital S, spirit, is spirit. Okay? Go on to Psalm 51. In Psalm 51, verse 10, David says, this is what he says to God. Listen to David's cry. This is in the Old Testament. Listen to David's cry. He says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right, what? Spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. What's David's cry? David is wrestling in this, uh, between this clean heart and he says, he says, God, please create in me a clean heart. Renew this spirit within me. Why? Because David knows, David knows that this is the key to life and connection with the Father. And he says, do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Do not take the Holy Spirit from me. Somebody, I heard somebody ask this uh, once, and it was, it's a very sobering question. I've asked you this before, but Dave, this is, that's, the, that's the cry of David's heart. What would you cry out for? What, think about this. What would you cry out for to God and say, don't take this from me? God, don't take this from me. Some of us, it would be a relationship. Some of us, it would be, it would be a thing. Some of us, it would be a, a, a job. Some of us, it would be just things we've accomplished. God, don't take my 5A straight to, state trophy from me. God, don't take, uh, don't take this relationship from me. God, don't take, right? There would be lots of things that we would cry out for. Why? Because we hold those things high in our lives, right? We hold those things of high value of an, and, and of high importance. And what is David's cry to the Lord? God, don't take your spirit from me. Why is that? Because David knew that in the Spirit there's life. And David knew that in the Spirit is communion and connection with the Father. And David did not even yet know the permanent indwelling Spirit. (laughs) David did not even yet know what we have in Christ. David knew of of uh, of an external presence of the Spirit and of a momentary filling. This is the measure to which the Spirit was given in the Old Testament. And even then, David's cry was, do not take this spirit from me because I know that it's life. And what I was going to tell you earlier is somebody said, if the spirit left the church, if the spirit left your life, would you even know it? If the Holy Spirit said, I'm out for a couple of hours, would you know? David would. David David knew so intimately, he said, please, whatever you do, I have to have this near to me because this is fellowship with you. This is life. The Spirit was dear to David here. So, uh, and then we go into Romans chapter 8 and verse 16. It says, The Spirit Himself, it's capital S Spirit, bears witness with what? Our Spirit. Little s Spirit. You with me? It's important that you understand. I'm not going to draw it. I am, with, I, am, I am trying with all of my might not to draw, draw a body, soul, spirit for you because I just know that you know it. <laughs> Okay, so, uh, so he says, the Spirit, capital S, Spirit, bears witness with our spirit that what? That we are children of God. Let me tell you, beloved, that is the only way in which you know that you are His. Is that the capital S, Spirit, speaks deeply to your inner man and says, you're a child of the Most High God. Right? Can I tell you this? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push a little bit. You do not know you're saved because you can remember a time that you prayed a prayer. You do not know that you're saved because you remember a time when, fill in the blank of whatever activity. Now, listen, don't run away from me yet. Are those things bad? No. 
absolutely not a bad thing. To pray a prayer, to walk an aisle, to do whatever, not bad things. How do you know you're saved? Right there. The Spirit bears witness, right, that you are a child of God. If you've ever doubted that in your life, and I know this is a tricky subject because some of you, that's a real thing. Like, I've really doubted whether or not I'm saved. Let me just tell you, take all the clutter away and ask God. If you're saved, let me guarantee you something. You can hear the Spirit of God. And let me also guarantee you something. He will withhold nothing good from you. And it says right here, you can even claim this Scripture back to the Father and say, God, you said that your Spirit would bear witness with my Spirit that I am a child of God. And I'm asking God, bear witness with my Spirit. Am I your child? And I promise you, you'll hear that still small voice if it is true. And he will say yes. Fair. If the answer is no... Don't go, well, but God, I prayed a prayer. Well, but God, I did this, 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 and this. Simplicity of salvation is repent and believe. If that has ever occurred in your life and you have the spirit within you, repent, walk away from this dead spirit, from life happening in the knowledge of the tree of good and evil, right? You can't sustain life on your own. Let me just break that to you now. It will end in death as it did for Adam and Eve. Repent of that. Repent of trying to make life on your own and recognize that that is why Jesus came, that I might be forgiven, that I might be filled. And if that occurs, then the Spirit will bear witness with my spirit that I am a child of God. You with me? Can we get some, like, even if you're not really, just fake it? (laughs) All right. It's important, beloved, important that you know how to hear that voice. It's important. So, he says that he will bear witness with our spirit. We are children of God, and if children, then heirs. You see the connection. If you know that you're a child of God, you also know this, that I'm an heir of God. And what does an heir of God get? Everything that he is. So many believers live in a lack right? We, we, we position ourselves as if we have to earn something from God or if God has not given us all of himself, right? And it's simply this understanding that we don't understand what it means to be a child of God. We don't know what it looks like to be a son. I know this. If my son asks me for anything, it's already his. Why? Because he's my son. Now, am I going to give it to him irresponsibly? No. But it's his, And we've got to make that connection that when the Spirit bears witness with our spirit and we can make this this claim, I am saved, I have the Spirit within me, then that means this, that I'm a child of God and there's never going to be an hour where I don't have all of the resources of my Father. Go to war with that. Go to battle with that understanding that there's never a moment where you don't have the availability of your Father completely, right? That's such good news because I want you to go to some hard places. I want you to speak into some broken and hurting lives, but I want you to go there knowing that you're filled and full of all that God has for you, yeah? I think that's a lot of times why we don't go, because we think we don't have enough to be there. Fair? Is that fair? Yeah? All right. All right, so... um, Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna finish. So, uh, my concern is that uh, is that many of us, and I just you know spoke to you about salvation, and, and you understand this, okay? You with me? Can we just go? Can we push one more little push here? 
You with me? Can we do that? Because you're going to have to listen to me next hour. I'm preaching next hour. I'm so sorry. <laughs> okay, so, uh, yeah, I just, I hate that for you. But, uh, um, so my fear is that most of us simply know Ezekiel, uh, the, the, the first verse, 36. That most of us only know the Spirit for regeneration. Most of us just know the Spirit for forgiveness of sin. Most of us really only know the Spirit for that time when He came and He convicted you of your sin and you recognized that you were sinful and this is how salvation works. The Spirit comes and you know that you are a sinner that needs a Savior and by the Spirit you cry out and God saves you, right? That's salvation. And I'm afraid that most of the time that is where our relationship with the Spirit ends, right? Right? You with me? I'm concerned about that because what you're missing, though you have it, what you're missing is a life full of relationship with the indwelling Holy Spirit, which upon that confession of Jesus as Savior is now in you. But let me just tell you, he can be in you and you know nothing of him. The promise of God is at the moment of salvation, and I will not back away from this from a, for a second, but at the moment of salvation, you receive a full abiding presence of the indwelling Holy Spirit. It is what Jesus paid for, for you. He paid for it that you might be cleansed and filled and upon confession of Jesus as Savior, upon that moment of salvation, you get every ounce of him. But I'm afraid that most of us only relate to him as far as it was for salvation. Most of us don't take the next step and go, I also need to continue in the Spirit for holiness. You with me? And that's why most of the time when I, when, I, when I sit down with people, most of the time they're, they're confessions, I don't know how to hear God. I don't know how to speak with God. I don't know how to walk with God. I don't know what it looks like for, for this to happen really on a day in and day out basis. And I think it's because largely we've preached the Spirit only for salvation and not for life after. But if you were created, watch what God did. So in Genesis chapter 2, God creates Adam. You with me? Back to this other story. He creates Adam, breathes breath into his nostrils, and it's after that that God then says to him, and this is your dominion. You're to steward this as I would. Think about the charge right there. Think about the responsibility that God gives this frail, dust-made man filled with the Spirit of God, but it's because of that feeling that God can look at him and say, steward my creation. Have charge and dominion over what I have given you. Why, did, why could God turn that over to them? Because they had him within them. Right? You know what Jesus said to you? My authority I give to you. Church, wake up. It's the same, it's the same words that God spoke to Adam. This is what I want you to be in charge of. Right? Bring light to dark places, right? He, he's, be as I was on the earth. I'm going to multiply my work on the earth because I am going to be in you. That's what he told his disciples. Right? But many of us use the wrong tool, right? Many of us receive Jesus for salvation, right? We go, yes, we, we hear you, Spirit. I need to be saved. I'm saved. And then by an act of our flesh, we attempt holiness. We attempt righteousness. We attempt worship. Come on. You ever try to worship out of your flesh? It's dead. I don't care what kind of music it is. It's dead. There's no life in it. You cannot live this life apart from the Spirit of God. 
And it is possible, beloved. It is so possible, and we read it over and over in the scriptures. The children of Israel wandered for years in the desert. It is possible to, to know the Spirit for salvation, be filled with Him, and never walk with Him. But God said, this is why I put my Spirit in you, that you might walk in my commandments, that you might live in relationship with me, that you might walk with me. That's why the dwelling spirit is in you. That's why he lives in you. What a glorious blessing. The Bible says that the prophets longed for what we are in, for this spirit. Come on, the prophets longed. They cried out for a day that the return might occur, that God again might fill his people on the inner man. We live in that hour and I'm afraid we're neglecting it. And so I, I simply want us to just wake up, right? Just snap out of our stupor and go, okay, Jesus gave me his authority. He gave me his power. He told me to bring light to dark places. He told me to bring healing. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Jesus also said, do greater works than I, uh, and, and then be holy as I am holy. This is quite a standard, Right? And if I am going to walk anywhere near that standard, wake up, are you with me? If I'm going to walk anywhere near that standard, there has got to be a relationship with the indwelling spirit of God, which is on the inner man in me. Because it's only in that way that rivers of living water will flow from me. Yeah? You with me? Nod. I know it's getting hot in schools tomorrow. It's like way hot up here. I want you to see today, the purpose of today was simply this. The purpose of today was simply that you might know that you were created to be filled and you were filled to be holy and you were made holy that you might bring glory to our Father. You with me. Created to be filled, filled to be holy and holy to bring glory to our Father. And this is the work of the Spirit in us. A couple of just action steps. Look, just really just wake up. I mean, that's, so that's one of them. What do I do with this, Pastor? Wake up. And I, and I, I say that sarcastically, but, but seriously, if you've known the Spirit only for salvation, wake up and go, okay, I know that this Spirit is in me. And begin the conversation by talking to God about your salvation. He loves that day. I tell you, God loves the day when you were saved. I think it's his favorite day about your life. His favorite day is that day that you came to him. There is no greater day of rejoicing in the heart of a father than when his child returned to him, right? He loves that day. And the Bible just promises, we just read it in Romans 8, 16, that the Spirit will talk to you about that day. So if you go, man, I know the Spirit for salvation, but nothing else, and I need to begin to have communion with the indwelling Spirit, I need to begin to speak with this, this power that is on the inside of me, start there. And just go home and get in a quiet place and go, all right, let's talk about that day I was saved. And listen to him, because he's going to start to tell you about the day that you became a child of God. And you might say crazy things like, Abba, like Father. You might realize amazing things like, God has given me all of himself. I am rich. Right? I don't know. Conversation could go well. What's the worst that could happen? I mean, speaking with the Spirit of God, what's the worst that could happen here? I don't know. I, just, just start there. 
If we don't start there, then nothing I say after this is, is going to make any sense. You were created to be filled. Know that. Know that, know that, know that. And that's why so many people walking around on the earth are unfulfilled because they have no, uh, they're, they're people, you hear lost people, and it may have been you, but you hear lost people talk about, uh, I feel like there's this void in me. And we go, well, that's because Jesus isn't living in your heart, right? Well, no, that's, that's because you were created with this uh, third part of you, which is your spirit, and it's dead, and it needs to come to life. And the only way it comes to life is by the spirit of God in you. And the only way that that can happen is if you repent and believe on Jesus because the only one that could pay for the iniquity of your flesh, right? That is why you're going, I need Jesus in my heart, right? Thank you, thank you. Like somebody, I'm trying to help you a little bit. It's a serious moment. I'm trying to help you, let you smile. God, let us preach a full throttle gospel. Let us not back away from the fact that we have been saved by a miraculous act of your spirit, but God, let us not relent from pressing in to the spirit which is within us. God, I pray that eyes would be open in this room. In the name of Jesus, I pray that eyes would be open, that men and women who have never seen themselves as created for filling might at once see that as possible. That I was created for a great, great, great thing. There is no glory in the shell, but there is glory in what is in me, and that is the Spirit of God, and I have been created to know my Father deeply and intimately. I pray that eyes would be open to that fact right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.